0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. For more information on Story City, go to storycitychurch.com.
1: Everybody doing good? Good. Well, uh, this. uh, by the way, you look good tonight. I I brought two changes of clothes. I brought a tie, Chris, and I decided I I couldn't wear it well. So you wear it well, and uh, I'll let you do it tonight. By the way, Chris and Chelsea just had a baby a week ago. And... um, Are Samantha and Justin here? Are they here? They just had a baby a week ago as well. So anyways, Merry Christmas. We're glad you're here. If this is your first time at Story City, I want to say welcome. We're so honored that you would spend an hour with us on Christmas Eve. I realize that this is a season where people will check out church and see if there's anything... Um, useful during this season and I commend you for that and we're glad that you are here. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here and here's what I want to do for the next 15 to 20 minutes. All I want to do is open up the scriptures just for a few moments and I want to speak to you on the topic of Jesus being the Prince of Peace. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are a good, good Father. Thank you for how you love us God, thank you for this Christmas season, Lord, as we celebrate, celebrate the Advent, the arrival, God, of your birth. Jesus, I pray that um, over the next few days, God, I pray that um, it would be a season, a time, a celebration, Lord. A reminder that this is not a season about capitalism or days off from work, but is a celebration of the coming of the God child, the man king. His name is Jesus, and we honor you in the reading of this scripture tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in the Colony Theater said, amen, amen. Amen. In 1863, there was a young boy named Charles Longfellow that enlisted with the Union Army to fight in the American Civil War. He did so against his dad's wishes. And in March of that year, in 1863, he sent a letter to his father and he explained why he had signed up to fight in the Union Army. It sounds a lot like what many young men would say today as they're going off to war. This is what the letter said. I feel it to be my first duty to do what I can for my country. And he goes on to say, and I would be willing to lay down my life for it, even if it would be of any good. Eight months later, in 1863, in the middle of the American Civil War, Charles Longfellow would be severely wounded in the Battle of New Hope Church in Virginia. A little over a month later, on Christmas Day, his father, the poet, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, penned the now famous carol, I Heard the Bells, on Christmas Day. Most of you have heard the carol, Probably you've sung it, you've listened to it on your Spotify, but I would imagine that most of us tonight probably haven't heard the entirety of the carol. In fact, most modern versions of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day omit the middle section. So I just want to read it for you, just for a moment. It says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill, to men, And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. The middle section that most of us have probably not heard. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to To men. Then from each black accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south, a reference to the Civil War. And with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the heartstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. When I read this part, I think of the Carpenters. It's my favorite version of the song. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. The last verse. Then peeled the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doeth, doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. The poem is actually an expression of Wadsworth Longfellow's despair over the reality that there actually could be peace on earth when all that he saw all around him was war. He felt hopeless when he heard the Christmas bells, especially in light of the fact that his son had just gone off to war and had just been severely wounded. And he is expressing in the poem his hopelessness that Christendom could actually bring about peace on earth, goodwill towards men. I believe that's probably... um, Um, A question, a thought in many of our minds. The old traditional carol um, is not um, separate from the thoughts and the questions that many of us have today. The question is, can there be peace on earth, goodwill to men? You know the Bible promises peace, right? You know that. You understand that the Bible promises that there would be peace on earth. 700 years before Jesus was born. There was a prophet named Isaiah, and he would predict, he would prophesy, he would foreshadow that there would be a man, the coming king, the God child, that would be called the Messiah, the king of kings, Jesus himself. And when he predicted that Jesus would come, he actually gave Jesus titles. And those titles for centuries later, here we are thousands of years later, For centuries later, the titles that Isaiah would place on the backs of Jesus would bring hope to people for centuries. There were four titles that Isaiah gave, and I just want to read those for you just for a second. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And these are the names that Isaiah gave Jesus, the coming king. This was 700 years before he was born. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the name that Isaiah would give Jesus. And for centuries later, our world has staked our hopes on the names and the titles given to Jesus. You know, if we fast forward the tape and the story of Jesus, when he was born in Bethlehem, there were a host of angels that were on the outskirts of Bethlehem. And there were shepherds in the field, you know the story, keeping watch by night, you know the story. And all of a sudden, this host of angels would appear to the shepherds. And they would say many things, but one of the things they would say is very familiar to most of us here at Christmas time. And we know the words, our kids just said it. The most famous words those angels would say to the shepherds on the outskirts of Bethlehem as Jesus were born were, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace. What does he say? Goodwill towards men. You know, you don't have to be a regular church goer to know those words. You understand those, you sing those in Christmas carols. And they probably resonate in your heart because you love the idea of peace on earth. But I wondered if we've ever stopped to consider that very thought. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Have we ever stopped to think, is that really a reality? Because it's been 2,000 years since Jesus was born. And we look across the world, we look across the spectrum of the planet over 2,000 years and two centuries, and we have to say to ourselves, is there peace on earth? Did the angels make a proclamation to the shepherds that night in the fields that Jesus has not or could not fulfill? I think that's a question that many of us consider and many of us wonder. The first time Jesus came into Jerusalem, I don't know if you're familiar with the story. This would be near the end of Jesus's life. He would come down from the Mount of Olives. He would ride into Jerusalem on the back of a what? Do you remember? An Uber ride, right? No, (laughs) on the back of a donkey. He would ride on the back of a donkey into Jerusalem down from the Mount of Olives near the end of his life. And the back of a donkey, it's interesting to me because the donkey is an animal of peace. In fact, kings would ride donkeys when there were terms of peace being negotiated. When we fast forward the tape even further, even to a time beyond today, by the way, when we celebrate Advent, the arrival of Jesus, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, but the second arrival we celebrate during the season is the coming back of Jesus again. Scriptures tell us he will come back. And when he comes back, according to Revelation chapter 19, the scripture says Jesus will be riding another animal. Do you know what animal it is? What animal is it? Jesus will be riding a what? A horse. Revelation chapter 19 tells us when Jesus comes back, he's going to be riding a horse, which is a symbol of war. Why is he riding a horse on a symbol of war? Because the scriptures say at the time that he returns, there will be worldwide conflict In fact, Matthew chapter 24 says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Matthew 24 says nations will war against nations. Kingdoms will war against kingdoms. And Jesus will arrive for the second time on the back of a horse and he will initiate war. It's interesting. The scripture goes on to say in Revelation chapter 19 that the result of Jesus coming back and initiating war from the Mount of Olives down into Jerusalem will be that he will abolish the idea of war. Nations will no longer rise against nations. Kingdoms will no longer rise against kingdoms. And Jesus will initiate a period of worldwide peace. I find that interesting tonight, that Jesus will come and usher in peace to us. Doesn't that sound familiar, by the way? I don't mean the part about Jesus coming back. That hasn't happened yet. I mean the part about peace eluding us, wars and rumors of wars and famines and, and, and nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. I, in preparation for tonight's message, I did some research and I read an article in the New York Times. It was written by a man by the name of Chris Hedges. It was an excerpt from his book, What Every Person Should Know About War. He says, over the past 3,400 years of recorded history, We've got about 5,000 years of recorded history. Of the last 3,400 years, Chris Hedges recorded that there were only 268 years where the world was at peace, 8% of the time. That sounds familiar, and I don't think that's, that's, um, that surprises anyone because all we have to do is turn on the news or open up our apps, and we see wars and rumors of wars, Syria, Somalia, all over Africa, Afghanistan, Somali. Did you know that the drug wars in Mexico this year alone have killed as many as 10,000 people? We understand wars and rumors of wars. And I would have to say tonight, there is no peace on earth. So it brings me to the question, were the angels who announced to the shepherds that evening, were the angels mocking humanity when they announced peace on earth, goodwill towards men? Were they mocking us? Because we know from history and we know from our experience there is no peace on earth. So the question remains, what does peace on earth, goodwill towards men mean? Because it hasn't happened yet, but A more literal, accurate translation of Luke chapter 2, verse 14, reads like this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, listen to what it says, with whom he is well pleased. There's another version that's translated more um, appropriately, and it says it like this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor is. Rest. So scripture says to us that peace comes to those who have learned to say glory to God in the highest. Scripture affirms tonight that there very well may not be peace until Jesus returns. But to those who have learned to say glory to God in the highest... To those who have learned um, the peace that God offers in our hearts, according to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture says there's a way to have peace on this earth. And the way for peace to happen on this earth is for God to initiate that peace in your heart. And actually what happens, the condensed version of what God does to offer peace in our hearts is that he takes and he reconciles the war and the rebellion that scripture calls sin in our hearts and he transforms that sin and he creates something beautiful and altogether different that has the ability to now say glory to God in the highest. And scripture promises regardless of what's happening around the world, to those who have experienced that very thing, you, and likely you alone, have learned to say, glory to God, peace on earth to those with whom his favor rests. The first peace that we all need is a peace that changes us. The scripture says it saves us, it transforms us, it reconciles us. Ephesians chapter two, verse 13 and 14 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, verse 14, for he himself is our peace. The first peace that everybody in this room needs, the first peace that everyone around the world needs is a peace that changes us. And then the result, the aftermath of being at peace with God. I don't have time to unfold this tonight, and I wish I did. But the aftermath of having peace with God is a different type of peace. The result of peace with God is a peace that comforts you. According to John chapter 14, verse 27, peace I leave you, Jesus says, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. For most of us in this room, this is the type of peace that most of us are searching for. We want there to be calm in our home, We want to come to a Christmas Eve Eve service and not have kids fighting over the iPad. We want to be um, at rest in the morning when we open up our presents. This is the type of peace that everybody in this room is longing for. And at some point in time, you may go back in your mind when you think about Christmas and you think about a time when there was peace in your life or peace in your home or peace from your parents or peace from a spouse. And it's the type of peace that all of us desire. Yet Jesus says that type of, type of peace is only experienced when the Spirit of God, according to Romans chapter 5, verse 1, transforms a dead heart and makes it alive. And now the Spirit of God breathes peace peace into our life. The scripture goes on to say it further. Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I wonder tonight if you need peace. I don't know your story, I don't know your situation, and I don't know your scenario tonight, but I'm confident that many of us come into a room like this, longing in our hearts for that promise of Jesus bring the Prince of Peace to be true to us, that we need peace. Can I say to you tonight, maybe the Spirit of God is calling you. It's speaking to you and he's offering peace to transform a dead heart and allow it to beat again and to have new life by transforming your life, taking your sin, parsing it as far as the east is from the west and allowing you to see Jesus for the fullness of who he is by saving you and transforming you. And when he does so, he offers a peace that passes all understanding. He offers a peace that can transcend Wars and rumors of wars, nations against nations. He offers a peace that can transcend the kids fighting over the iPad at Christmas. I believe that's a peace that all of us need tonight. I want to pray for us. We're going to sing one more song and we'll be done. Jesus, thank you for the peace that you offer. God, we acknowledge tonight there are many ways that we all may try to absorb and transform and reconcile and negotiate, and, and figure out how we can navigate peace for ourselves. God, tonight, I want to acknowledge before this audience and this congregation, God, that that will only go so far. God, it will only last so long, and I pray my prayer for those in this room tonight is that we would fully understand that peace that lasts and peace that is, is a long-suffering, peace that is eternal, is a peace that only you can offer. God, I pray for those who don't know you tonight, Jesus. I pray by the Spirit of God, you would draw them to you. You would draw them to an understanding that there has to be a resolution between their problem of sin and between you and them there's not a resolution between the problem of sin and you, God the result is death both in this life and the next but God by the wonderful awesome glorious good news and love that you demonstrate for us on the cross God, you're able to take that sin, separate it from us with Jesus in our place and save us and transform us God for those in this room who have never experienced that, I pray that will be their experience tonight For those who have, Lord, I fully recognize, even with a transformed heart, there are moments and days and seasons where peace seems to elude us. God, may the peace that surpasses all understanding be ours to share this Christmas season by the Spirit of God within us. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody in the Colony Theater said, Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing. They're just our voices in this place singing Silent Night. When we're done, Matt will come up and dismiss us. Just one more time. Just our voices. Sounds so good. You know what? I saw you guys over here holding hands. By the way, we love your family so very much. I remember doing that as a kid on Christmas Eve, holding hands, just a special time. We wish you guys the best this Christmas season. I don't know what your plans are. If you're traveling, we will pray that LAX cooperates. I'm flying out at 6 a.m., please, Jesus, cooperate. couple reminders for you. There's no service on Christmas morning. We hope you'll enjoy that with your family. And then on New Year's Day, we are changing our service time from 10.30 to 5 p.m. We know some of y'all are going to have a long night, all right? (laughs) And we hope you will come back 5 p.m., New Year's Day. And then on the 8th, we kick off a brand new series. And we are believing, expecting, and we have faith that this is going to be the best year yet. There's some really incredible things happening. And I wish I could tell you. But you just got to come back to be a part of it. Let me pray for us. And by the way, Merry Christmas. Jesus, thank you. God, thank you that you loved us enough to take on flesh in human form. God, you didn't have to. Thank you that you chose to identify with us. Jesus, thank you for your life, your birth your ministry. God, thank you that because of your death on the cross, Lord, God, we're reminded that this Christmas season and your birth, your advent, is not the end of the story. It only looks forward to a greater story, and that is the resurrection from the grave that makes it possible for our sins to be forgiven and ultimately to be saved. So thank you, Jesus, for this Christmas season. Thank you for the families here tonight. In Jesus' name, We pray, everybody at Story City Church said, amen, amen. Merry Christmas.